Hey, Pastor Susan. Hey, Pastor Joel. Hey, friends at Sunnyside. It's uh, good to be with you once again. Uh, we're looking at uh, this week, uh, Mark chapter 15 through Galatians chapter 5. Um, and I'd, I'd love to note that um, we don't always get to read, uh, get is the wrong word. We, we do not always read about the crucifixion of Jesus outside of Holy Week. And there's something about reading it outside of Holy Week that both, you know, it gives us a different lens to look at it mm. through. It reminds us of the importance of this text um, and, and the importance of what our Lord has done for us. And so um, even though we're reading it late in September, um, which is, yeah, about as far from Holy Week as you can get, I, I hope that it's something that you're able to kind of sit with. There's a lot of importance. So um, we've talked a lot about Mark uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's oh, been a, well, it's just been a nice chance to like read, you know, again, just a very concise, you know, a couple of weeks, just clip right through and kind of hear the whole beginning to the, to the, to the end, right? From, from birth to Jerusalem and beyond. One thing that we haven't talked about much, and maybe we can start here, is this idea that scholars have named the messianic secret, which is like a fancy term that you know, you get to throw out after you go to seminary, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make that, uh, that Sounds like a book title, right? Yeah, the messianic uh, Surely that's been a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, and it, it's, it's such a great title for something that is curious that Jesus throughout Mark mm. tells people, you know, hey, now that you've been healed, don't tell anyone about me. Don't share who mm. I am. And it's really interesting. Like, why would Jesus do that? I think that was one of the questions that you were invited to ponder in the first few chapters of Mark. And I think that we can spend a little bit of time wondering about it uh, today before looking at the the, the tearing of the curtain. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, the Messianic secret outside of a New York Times bestseller. Um, <laughs> yeah, why would Jesus... Um... I guess it seems kind of easy to think why Jesus would heal, why Jesus would teach, um, why Jesus would, you know, tell parables, but then to heal and to tell people, you know, go home and tell no one is, is it wasn't the point to, in, in breaking of the kingdom, wasn't the point to bring the kingdom, not hide it, right. why cover it up? Right. I, you know, I think it, it means something really true about us as human beings that, if we, we either will be so terrified and amazed by what we've beheld um, that we won't be able to do it justice, or um, we will try and own what it is we beheld to the mm -hmm. point that instead of trying to do it justice, we will try and take it for ourselves mm -hmm. and use it for our own power and privilege. Um, which is, you know, one of the reasons that I, I think it's, it's so interesting when we look at how Mark ends you know, originally it ended its thought with and because we don't we don't know but it's thought that it ended in verse 8 of chapter 16 with the words they went out and fled from the tomb terror and amazement seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid boom curtain closed play is over that's a yeah that's an uncomfortable place to leave them right that that's just where they were Again, we think about, we rush right into Easter morning so quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't think we spend much time sitting with the disciples for those 
hours and days of where they were very surprised and shocked and afraid, not knowing what would come. It was not the end they thought was, was that their time did not go as expected, right? right? They were ready for the kingdom to come and Jesus to deliver them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this, this idea that they, they didn't know what to expect just as, you know, the people who Jesus healed didn't really know what to do with this. They, probably were afraid and amazed all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had just seen some pretty remarkable things and seen Jesus' death and um, gathered together. Uh, you know, again, Mark tells us really directly about the experience of the disciples and that, you know, they were gathered together and afraid. And, um, isn't that what so often happens, I think, in the face of a tomb, that it's a pretty normal reaction to when we are, are faced with the end of a dream, the end of a hope, the end of a loved one, to, in letting that go, it, it, we face it often with terror and some awe and amazement. Well, here's a nice softball question for you, Pastor Susan. Um, why is there more written in Mark? After so, verse eight, what's so going on with that? I know who likes to leave a story in that place, right? <laughs> so, and I think it's worth noting too, like that our text is transparent enough to tell us, like, here's the shorter ending, which they anticipate that John Mark as author would have ended it right there at 16, eight, but then the story keeps going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as tradition as um, continued and as the life of disciples continued before the Bible was canonized, they think that these last few verses of verse 16 were added to make it a little more congruent, right? With what else, with some of the other gospel tellings and some of the other, um, some of the other, the end of the story as Mm -hmm. they continued to know it, right? Because the end of the story doesn't end with fear and, um, but only that as its last word, the end of the story continues in seeing resurrection and seeing the appearance of Christ and uh, walking on the road with Christ and having him come to them so that they then can be taken by them and, um, and, and, you know, re reoriented in what their life would be uh, and oriented towards heaven and eventually mm. that Christ would take them there. I love that our inspired text like names the growth that human beings have, mm. um, that that's sort of enshrined in our scripture. And and I, I wonder how much of that is because of the curtain being torn mm. when Jesus died, that this barrier between God and humanity is now taken down and now God's spirit is on the loose, um, that we have access and that you know God's spirit is making this world new and helping us not be who we were, but be become who we could be mm-hmm. um, that the fact that the gospel like we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago I think where where the gospel makes sort of meta points at times um, and the fact that the gospel sort of makes this point within itself it's just so cool mm-hmm. it tells the whole story that's right, right? even where we may think it ends mm-hmm. right but it goes beyond to show the wholeness and the completeness that we're invited to be a part of. What a great way to end one of the four biographies of Jesus, Mm -hmm. Um, one of these gospel narratives, these narratives of good news. 
Um, from Mark, uh, we're going to Galatians. Galatians is one of the earlier letters written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was not one of the original 12 apostles. We'll uh, read through his call uh, to, to faith in a few months here. It's in the book of Acts. But I wanted to go to Galatians after Mark because Galatians strikes me as sort of the mark of Paul's letters. It's very visceral. It's you've you've got a Paul who is very action oriented. This is Paul's early one of Paul's earlier letters, and um, he's writing angry. Uh, and so he's he doesn't quite have a filter here in the same way that he might in like a, a more mature letter like Romans. Um, but but in Galatians, um, you've got him writing to some churches in order to kind of keep them together and keep them focused on justification, not by what we do, but by whose we are, by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Um, and that this is good news, not only for those who trace their lineage back through Abraham, but for all people, regardless of where they come from. Um, so he's trying to address some controversy and sort of, you know, be, be the umpire, the referee here mm -hmm. in what's going on in Galatia. Yeah, I love that he begins this so clearly saying to them, this faith is given to you, like you've been given faith to be set free, mm -hmm. right? This is what is it about? Like, there's no reason to be enslaved to idols, to be enslaved to obligations, to be, um, there's no reason to live as enslaved people. Mm -hmm. We really have, have faith to, to set us free. And I think that's such an important part. So interestingly, with the introduction of freedom and saying that the gospel is really about freedom, he then begins to walk through a lot of the law, right? <laughs> and, and so it feels like it contradicts itself in some ways, but if you follow the argument through, it's a pretty nice way of explaining actually, you know, this, the law has been given to you to show you and bring you to faith so that the, what is really, um, the kind of demanding principle is the freedom of, of God and faith that by grace mm -hmm. you have been set free uh, from mm -hmm. all of these laws. So that for a people in Galatia who are living, trying to meet all of these letters of the law and really arguing and finding a lot of conflict mm -hmm. about how that happened in their communities, mm -hmm. um, he's saying, hey, don't miss the boat, right? It's really not about that it, because it is in Christ that we are set free. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, Paul loves the law. Mm. He, I, I think it's in another letter where he talks about how he was a Benjamite, you know, a, a, one, of, one of Israel's finest. Uh, as to keeping the law, he calls himself blameless. Mm. So these are not the words of somebody who takes the law lightly. Mm -hmm. He takes it very seriously and yet insists over and over again that um, there's no way to salvation. There's no way to peace with God except through faith. And this is a person who kept the law his whole life um, and, and yet calls out those people who I, I, I think he refers to them somewhat sarcastically as super apostles, mm -hmm. you know, folks like Peter who are pillars of the faith. But when he sees them like not acting in keeping with the, the belief that they have, it's like, well, this doesn't work. And so he traces for the Galatians 
probably something that he had to go through when he was sort of figuring out what's going on with Jesus that um, uh, in the middle of, of chapter three, he goes through this like really dense argument uh, starting in verse 10 and kind of going through it where um, he, he talks about, you know, hey, if you don't follow all the things in the book of the law, you're cursed. Um, but you can't get justified by the law because the righteous are going to live by faith. Um, but you can't do that through the law because whoever does the works of the law will live by them. I mean, like, it's just, it's a very dense, almost like, you know, Paul's taking both sides of the argument to show how silly mm -hmm. it is to try and find peace with God through laws. It's like trying to find a healthy relationship through like, well, we've got the relationship contract. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you had to do a roommate agreement in college, but like roommate agreements are, are nice at times, but are they? <laughs> it's like, you know, clarity is kindness on the one hand, yeah, but on the other hand, true. it's like if both people are being brought kicking and screaming, not in freedom mm -hmm. to the roommate agreement, there's no peace there. There's no flourishing in community. Mm. Um, I'll say one more thing. I, sorry, I've gone on for a little bit. Um, but I, Paul, Paul's argument brings in all sorts of ideas from the Hebrew Bible. One idea he brings in toward the end of chapter four is, is a little bit odd. Um, and he, he's trying to make an argument by allegory. And it's an argument that is, is a little bit tricky, both to figure out what exactly he's trying to say and to figure out some of the implications of what he's saying. Um, I'll start with saying, you know, Hagar and Sarah, you may know these characters from Genesis. Sarah um, was, was the wife of Abraham. And Hagar uh, is, is named as Sarah's slave, uh, who Sarah gives to Abraham to try and get her a descendant. Um, Abraham ends up having Ishmael with Hagar um, and then throws them out of the house, um, casts them away. Um, Paul uses this as part of his argument. And, and I, I personally, like in terms of how I read this, I don't read this as Paul saying, yeah, everything that Sarah did was good. Uh, Paul's reading this descriptively, not prescriptively. Paul isn't saying you too should cast out all of your slaves who um, you have you know, had some, some sort of relationship with, some sort of relationship of abuse with. It's not what Paul's saying. I, I think that Paul's using this story as a way of trying to use these characters as stand-ins, not because they are, um, but because he's trying to drive to a point of freedom is what's promised us who follow the promise of God, which is a promise through faith, not mm -hmm. through the law. Um, so that's, that's some of what's going on. You can kind of follow Paul's argument um, uh, on, on, on your own, but know that what he's driving to is this idea of freedom, um, that it is freedom we're promised, not enslavement to the law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is good news, right? That's good news for us that that it is through faith um, that we are set free through the grace of God and that Christ who has met all of our obligations is the one who stands before God and um, upon in on our behalf. So as we move into chapter five, Paul says again and again, you know, stand firm. And I like how plainly he says, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, mm -hmm. right? Don't go back to those ways. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine Paul himself having uh, been a teacher in the Hebrew faith, like to 
he would have known those ways well. Uh, and so he was writing to a community who knew them, who were, who was going back to those ways and he is encouraging them. You do not have to go back to slavery. You are saved mm-hmm. through grace to be set free. So one example of that in their community is the issue of circumcision, mm-hmm. right? The Hebrew people would have been, the men would have been circumcised versus in the Gentile community, they would not have been. And he says, you know, it doesn't matter, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Uh, and it is, um, it is faith working through love. That is really what our faith is all about. And he goes on to talk about the role of the spirit that empowers our life together. Um, you know, as we're set free, don't kind of be lost in that freedom, indulging yourself, but let us continue to seek after Christ. Um, and as we seek after Christ, come through the grace of God again to be changed through faith. It just, it does, it, I can see, Pastor Joel, how you partnered Galatians and, and reading through the Gospel of Mark in a couple of weeks to see it together, right? Because Paul mm-hmm. is just coming through and arguing, and but holding together in contrast, the whole life story of Christ, how Christ fulfilled the law on our behalf and then enables us to live into that freedom. It's a a great way to see together um, the life that we're called, that we're called into. I I think that's exactly right. And I think it can be really easy to look at the controversy that was engulfing the Mm. churches in Galatia uh, around circumcision or uncircumcision and think, well, shoot, that's stupid. <laughs> we don't, we don't have anything like that today. Well, it turns out like it may not be around circumcision or uncircumcision, but we very much have like ways that we end up implicitly deciding who's in and who's out in our churches today. Um, one of the things that I hope is that at Sunnyside, all will be welcome, that it truly is for freedom that Christ has set us free, that we can, In uh, earlier on in, in Galatians chapter 3, uh, it talks about there's no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And that's my prayer for Sunnyside, that we wouldn't be determined by which sort of sect we fall within, um, only that we are one in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, because whether it's circumcision or uncircumcision, or whether it's what political party you're a part of, um, I mean, just a few weeks ago, there was the first Republican debate, I believe, for the 2024 election season. And I'm not ready for another election season. Nope. Um, because I think that's the sort of thing that risks dividing the body of Christ. And we're actually called not to, as, as we look to, as, as you were saying, um, how we can act in our freedom. Uh, Paul gives this list both of, it's not laws, right? But it's a way that we can determine whether or not we're bearing fruits that are in keeping with the spirit or fruit in keeping with the mm-hmm. flesh or the sinful nature. And one of the works of the flesh is enmities or strife, dissensions, factions, mm-hmm. anger, quarrels. And in contrast, you know, the fruit of the spirit is peace. Mm-hmm. It's gentleness. It's self-control. That means looking for the good in other people, love. Um, as Paul says, against such things, there is no law. Um, that the law itself doesn't countermand these things, but allows for them. Um, so uh, even if we might not have circumcision or uncircumcision as sort of the um, 
battle of choice uh, uh, among us today, there are other things that we need to be very clear about how we are bearing good fruit instead of bad fruit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And that's, you know, again, I think we're just invited into the process of trusting the spirit. It's that process of um, in prayer as individuals in prayer corporately looking for the ways the spirit is guiding us to lead us to be free to lead us mm-hmm. to know one another uh, and um, looking for the fruit going you know that in fact it's actually i think a good urging to think you know where are you hungry right mm-hmm. uh, and paying attention to how how you might be hungry in your what what are you hungry for in your life mm-hmm. and how might god be inviting you to be fed to be fully nurtured and look for and enjoy the fruits of the spirit. Mm. Well, I'm curious as we reflect on the passages that we read this week, um, we can spend some time with these general questions that we're asking about all of our chapters of scripture. What's God's good news for me? Mm. How does this passage encourage me to live differently? And what's one word or one idea that resonates mm. for me? Uh, where is God's good news located for you in the end of Mark and the first five chapters of Galatians, Pastor Susan? Mm. So I um funny enough, but I think I I just the thing about Galatians that stands out to me is this the gospel that calls us to be set free. There's something that's very deep within my DNA that really resonates with the idea of freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't like obligations. I don't <laughs> like following directions, if I'm honest. And um in the first chapter of Galatians in the 10th verse, it says, am I seeking human approval or God's approval? Am I trying to please people? If we're still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And, you know, I think it, I'm just reminded it's, it is for freedom that Christ has called us. And there are many opportunities to follow God. Uh, there are many opportunities to enjoy the blessings and gifts of God. There are also many laws to be followed and, um, and guidance that are given to our lives. But I just want to sit with and enjoy the freedom and the invitation that God gives us to be free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's a good news for me. And um, what about for you, Pastor Joel? Yeah, the uh, for for me the good news is uh, a verse that I feel like ties together both the ending of Mark and and mm-hmm. this passage in Galatians, um, and it's Galatians chapter two, beginning halfway through verse nineteen, where Paul says, "I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. This life mm-hmm. I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." That because uh, that, that's the passage, and so the good news is that because Jesus died only to live again, we too are put to death in order to live in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a really beautiful, mysterious exchange that mm-hmm. happens there, um, and that's God's good news for me now. It's also, I suppose, the good news. <laughs> Maybe that's the Bible answer, Pastor Susan. <laughs> well, but I think that's like one of the foundational texts, right, or foundational yeah, verses. Absolutely. Um, that's so critical in all of Galatians. That is our freedom. How are are we encouraged to live differently from these texts? I think we're encouraged like in following that freedom and following our hunger, right? Mm. We're not, we're not forced to follow the rules that are set out before us, but Mm. we're encouraged to know that we can, 
we are, it is a spiritual gift, right? To feel mm-hmm. hunger, to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's encouraging to look for where are those signs, where mm-hmm. are those fruits and yeah. go to those places. And right? mm-hmm. um, God will care for us in all situations. I think for me, um, the way that Paul confronts Peter, uh, who is saying one thing and doing another, um, I, I need to make sure that I carry myself with integrity, um, that we're, I, I practice what I preach, in other words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think I do that, um, but it's encouraging me at least to sort of double down, redouble my efforts to do that. What's, a, what's an idea that might resonate for you from this set of chapters? I think the the central idea that I feel called to in this is that um, the freedom that comes in Christ, and knowing it is it is Christ who has has fulfilled the law, that um, I am pointed in the direction of I'm am fully saved through faith and through the grace of God and faith, um, but it's the freedom that mm-hmm. really is called. That's just something I could really sit and chew on and Mm -hmm. and keep thinking about in my daily life. Mm -hmm. What about you? The tearing in two of the temple curtain uh, is such a neat idea. Mm -hmm. Um, It's what I think allows me to be able to sit in freedom and not Mm -hmm. worry about law. Mm -hmm. It's good news. It is good news. Amen and hallelujah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having another great conversation with me, Pastor Susan. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Joel. And Sunnyside, thanks for listening and for reading along. I'm excited to hear, look forward to hearing from Sunnyside members and friends about the process of journeying along, reading through the the Gospel of Mark, jumping into Galatians this week and continuing on. Looking forward to hearing from you. And uh, we'll talk next week. Sounds great. See you then.